Welcome to City on a Hill's podcast. This week's podcast can be downloaded on iTunes or our media library at chccny.com. That's why people ask me, hey, what are you doing that series on technology? Well, we're finally here. And I know it's not relevant for anybody in the room, probably only for people that are outside the church, uh, anything pertaining to technology. Yeah, yeah, I get it. Well, the title of our series, as you see up there, is TechWise. Now, I have a compendium I put together. I've never done this before. You know I like to read, right? I'm Pastor Linda's son. So what I did here in this series at the end, and I will share my PowerPoint, I have books that I would recommend for you to possibly read. These are not just Christian books. There are some secular books there, too. How many of us know if we are, I hate that whole mentality that as Christians, we can only listen to Christians. No, 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 no. There are people in the world, and when it comes to science and biology, you name it, people that have a lot of things to talk about, things that transcend religion. So I'm going to give you those book titles. You can give me an amen on that if you want. So book titles on that, and I'm also going to give you some links as parents. If parents aren't here today and they're sitting home, they're crazy. We sent out a message last night. Every parent that has children should be here. Everyone that has a phone really should be here. So I have some audio video links and I have some TED Talks. All right, they're not, you know, these aren't Christian based, but we're human beings and they have a lot to say to us. So if that's you, you can get that. I'll have the PowerPoint slides up and uh, you can access that through the website or what have you. Well, let's just open up in a word of prayer before we dive into this wonderful fascinating topic. Well, Lord, I just asked this morning, my heart is that you would open our eyes. Father, I ask that we would be honest and we would be real and that we wouldn't hide, Lord, from what is going on around us. Wake us up to the insidious nature of the enemy's traps, his tactics, and how he's trying to lull us to sleep. Father, help us to see that all the things pertaining to technology, they're not all innocuous, Lord, that some of them have a harmful effect on us. Lord, I just ask that we would be as travelers, as pilgrims passing through, that we would be wise, not unwise, and we'd realize the day in which we live in, and we'd live with purpose, and we'd live with passion, and we'd live with understanding, and we would be a people that have something to tell the world. We can be countercultural. We don't have to be crazy. We don't have to go in the corner and ensconce ourselves and, and just move away. No, we can be a people that are living in the world. We're not of the world, but we can bring truth to the world, Lord. I ask that that would take place. Amen. And, you know, I'm starting this series, you know, I think a lot of times we come to church and topics like this. How do you think I'm going to start this series? How do you think I'm going to start it? Vanna, how do you think I'm going to start this series? How would a preacher get inside my mind? How do you think a preacher is supposed to start a series like this? Good luck getting inside my mind. Good luck, right? But really, anybody, anybody, make believe this is a class. Dr. Losey, what? Statistics about how many people use technology. That's a good answer. Anyone else? How am I supposed to start this? Pretend I have no idea what I'm doing. What? No, no polls. No polls. A prayer. Okay. What? A quote. We have got to have a few quotes in it in a sermon like this. Yes. What? 
Bible verse. We'll get into the Bible, all right? Knew somebody was going to throw that out there. You better have some Bible to back up your thoughts today, preacher. We do, we do. Here's what I'm going to do. I want to talk about all the good of technology because I think, you know what was hitting me all week? Everyone's going to come in and they're going to go, James is going to get up and talk about all the bad things about technology. Can we talk about the God who is creative? Can we talk about the God who created human beings and said, you know what? Have at it and let's see what you can create. Let's see what you can do. And we are created. I'm already preaching at him. I thought I was going to be more laid back right from the beginning, but we're created in the image of God right? That's who we are. We reflect who God is. And God says, I don't want robots. I don't want machines. I want human beings created in my image and my likeness. And I want you to create things. Have fun. And we have as human beings, we have. You think about through the centuries too. Where's my phone? Oh, here's my phone. Somebody's texting me right now as I'm preaching. And think about it. Through the centuries, think about how many people were illiterate. They could not read. How many people that have graced this planet that have never read a book before. But now in the 21st century, you can read the greatest minds that have expounded on all different topics and all different subjects. And we can read the Bible right here on this. All the music in the world, the greatest composers. We can have everything on this little device. We can listen to everything. Isn't that fascinating? We can access information, everything. Last night I was out with friends, right, Dr. Vic? And you were t- Dr. Vic was telling me, if you don't know Dr. Vic and you need braces, you have to go to him. I'm not kidding you. He's the man. He's the best around. And what's interesting, he was telling me a story, sorry to embarrass you, but he was telling me a story about uh, a patient, and this patient is on a mercy ship off the coast of Africa, and he is a doctor with the technology that he's able to help this client, this patient, who's on the other side of the world through technology that I can't explain, and if I had him come up here and explain to you, you wouldn't understand either. Now, it's pretty cool, though. Pretty cool, pretty neat. But all the information, too, that we can access. 25 years ago, the information that we can now access on our phones, you couldn't find that information in the greatest libraries in the world. Are you kidding me? Look at the world we live in. Google, everything's just one little Google away. We can locate anything we want on the planet. Does anybody have a real map in your car? You have a real map in your car? I'm talking it. You have a map. Do you, use, do you use those maps? You do. Do you have a phone? You do. Why are you using a real map? <laughs> I didn't say it. You did. I'm not, I'm not getting myself in trouble there. Right? I am directionally challenged, more directionally challenged than any person in this room. And if we had a contest, I would win. Would I win, honey? I would win. Hands down, I would win. And what's fascinating to me is no longer do I ever have to hear my wife utter the words, Honey, you need to stop and ask someone for directions because God only knows where we are. How many times we got, remember that trip in New Hampshire years ago and you wanted to kill me and I didn't want to stop and ask people where I was and where, right, men, how many of you men, right? We figure it out on our own. We don't need help. 
Now I have ways, and now we have, you have, I don't use Siri. One woman in my life is enough. I don't need another woman telling me what to do. I feel like the Waze app is a little different. Some of y'all use, you can use Siri, go ahead. I'm not going to cheat on my wife with Siri, right? But I have the, we have the Waze app. You can get, and how about if you need a ride? You need an Uber somewhere? You just use this baby. And you can find out exactly where they are and you can get a ride. What kind of world do we live in? How amazing. You can spy on your kids with this. Take it easy. Your kids are here right now. Right? You can, you can look and see what your kids are doing. We can see that. And I'm thinking about it too. There are over, I did a little research, there are over a million apps. Did you know that? Over one million apps exist right now in the 21st century. And there are actually apps that can, can help us discover if we're too dependent on other apps. Thank God for technology. And I'm finding this out. I had kids in school this past week, and I didn't tell them what I was doing in church, but kids, and, you know, technology is such a big deal for, for all of us. But the kids are showing me, you can actually look on your phone, and some of you are more you know, technologically advanced than I am, but you can look on your phone, and it tells you how much time you're spending on different things. Right off the bat, I mean, hey, how much more practical can it get for us as people, not Christians, just anybody, that you can figure out and ascertain, how much time am I really spending on some of these sites? What am I doing? Did you know that technology actually is a Bible word? Hmm, really, it is. Technology, where's my little clicker? The word technology is very interesting. It actually comes from two Greek words, and I'm going to put this up here for you. If it wants to switch slides, you can just switch the slide. Somebody back there if you want to switch it. Um, comes from two words. And the two words, first one is tecton. And the second one is logos. And you've probably seen that second word before. Two Greek words. Tecton and logos. Why don't you say those? Say those to your partner. Say somebody next to you. Tecton, logos. Now... The first word there, let's look at this word. This word tecton in Greek, it actually means somebody that is a craftsman, someone that is a creator. If you go all the way back to the beginning of the Bible and you look in Genesis, you look in Genesis, um, I don't know, we changed the batteries, I think, recently. It's not working. Uh, there it is. Uh, in Genesis 1-3, when God said, let there be light and there was light, this is tecton. God is creating. God is a creator. God is creating things right from the beginning. The earth is formless and void, and there is God. He is creating. And what does the Bible say about Jesus to whom all things were created? Jesus was a tecton. I'll prove it to you. Look what it says in Matthew 13, 55. Talking about Jesus, isn't this the carpenter's son? That word that we translate in English Carpenter, it's tecton, craftsman, a mason. Did you know, by the way, and I have to just eradicate this because so many people think Jesus just worked with wood. Jesus worked more with stone than he would have worked at wood. When we look at the culture 2,000 years ago, he worked with stone. And when it says here, isn't this the carpenter's son, the tecton's son, isn't his mother's name Mary and blah, 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 blah. But I want you to see this in Greek. You know what it means? 
Isn't this the carpenter? Not a carpenter that Jesus, if you wanted work done, you didn't go to Ron Losey, who's really good. You went to Jesus because Jesus was the best craftsman around. How come we don't talk about that? This wasn't just some guy that said, I'm going to pick a trade. When Jesus plied his trade, he was the best at it. And he took pride in it. Jesus was a techie in his own culture. He was a techie. Need y'all to see that right from the start. But Jesus glorified Jesus and look who Jesus was and look at what he did. And then when you look at that second word, logos, you mind I'm giving you a little theology first? Is that okay? I want to feed you well today. I want you to walk out stuffed like a Thanksgiving meal, which is coming up in a few weeks. Saw those turkeys out east at Malaski's farm and I got hungry last night. All right. John 1, 1 and 2. This word logos, you know what it means? It means, it actually means Word. So if that word, be, if it means word, or it could mean to the ancient Greeks, it meant reason and understanding too. So when John is writing this in the, in the Gospel of John, right? In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. John is reflecting back. He's echoing what is said in the book of Genesis, that there they are in that culture. They deified knowledge. They deified reason. And he's saying, look, Jesus, in the beginning, the word that became flesh, look what God talked about. You look at the book of Genesis and the Torah. Well, look at what is going on. The same word, it was with God all the way back in the beginning to appeal to the mindset of those people that were listening to this in ancient Palestine. Man, that's interesting. And I think we, the reason we marvel as human beings and we're awestruck by Facebook and Apple and Google and Pinterest and Instagram and Snapchat and, all, and the cloud is because we were made in the image of God and we reflect God. And God is happy that we as human beings take our creative juices and that we look at things and, and we're doing such amazing stuff. In the beginning was the tweet. And the tweet was with God. And the tweet was God. And the tweet became flesh and twittered among us for a little while. Technology. And some of you are like, what are you talking about? I don't know. I was just having fun this week. But you think about it. You think about technology and you think about all the good things. How about this? How many of you have a Bible uh, version, you know, Bible on your phone, like you version, the you version. Did you know the you version Bible app is top four apps in the world today? Top four. Now you think about how amazing that is that people think about like some of the underground church, like the underground church movement, people that are persecuted for their faith, people that will risk their own lives to bring in actual physical copies of Bibles so other people can read them. What is it like now? You think about how amazing it is. You can't really stop it because people can access a Bible right on their phone. Technology. Wonderful. So good. So amazing that we can get the word of God on our phone. And how about this? How many of you are familiar with this app? Pray as you go. I just picked a couple and I tried to pick one maybe that isn't as well known. 
Uh, this harks back to uh, St. Ignatius from the 15th century. And you look at this. This would take you 10 to 15 minutes every single day. You do this right from your phone. It starts out with some lovely music. Picture me singing, okay? Some incredible music. Then it has a scripture reading. Then it has a time of reflective questions. Prayer. You hear the passage again in 10 or 15 minutes. Instead of being mindless, instead of going to work and whatever, how about we actually put the word inside of us? How about we actually take some time to pray? Look what we have with this device, the power that we have, how amazing technology is. I'm done. That's it. That's my sermon today. Let's pray. Lord, I'm just so thankful that technology is an unmitigated, unambiguous force of good in the world, and there are no problems with it. How many of you are with me? There's no problems with technology. It's perfect. Does anybody think it's perfect? Y'all think it's perfect. No problems with it. Of course there are problems with it. Can we get to some of that now? But I had to, I had to talk about some of the wonderful things that come with it. Did you realize that technology is really neutral? It's not good or bad. It's how we choose to use it. And a lot of times it gets a bad rap because we look at it automatically and Christians sometimes, oh, it's bad and we can't. No, it's not bad. It's how we use it. If you take your kid and put him in front of a screen all day, shame on you as a parent. Don't blame Apple. Don't blame Steve Jobs. But by the way, I'll throw this in. I have so much information on my head. Who knows what I'm going to throw up on you today? 2011 New York Times uh, writer was on the phone with Steve Jobs. Talking about the, the new iPad, right? He was talking to him, and he, you know, the reporter said, phone conversation again. Hey, Mr. Jobs, your, uh, your kids must be so excited about having this technology. You know what Jobs said back? He quipped back to him. And when I read these words, I was, I was stunned, shocked, astonished. No, my kids don't play on the, the technological, these devices. They don't have time in them. And all Silicon Valley executives, guess what? In all my research... They don't let their kids play a lot on them either. There's an amazing school in Silicon Valley today. Kids aren't allowed to touch technological devices in school until they're in eighth grade. Eighth grade. How come they know that out there, but how come we just take our our iPads and our phones and just shove them in front of kids' faces today? Oh, I'm going to preach now. Now now y'all are going to get it. (laughs) Kidding. But technology is fabulous, but obviously we're, we're broken people. And when you think about it, Technology can be disruptive to our lives. I mean, all the research, our brains, when I get into a little, can I get into a little bit of the science too? And then you look at our relationships, how it can have an adverse effect on our relationships. I think we see that. I love what the Apostle Paul says in in the book of Ephesians. Look what he says. Look at these words. I think they ring so true for us today as Christians living in the 21st century. Be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Paul is writing, and when you look at the totality of the Apostle Paul's works in the New Testament, I think we see someone that is all for efficiency. And he's looking here and he's preaching, yes, it's good to be efficient, but we can be so efficient that we're moving in the wrong direction. We can be so technologically advanced that we're moving in the wrong direction. 
That's what he's saying. So we need to be wise, not unwise. We need to realize where technology can take us. It reminds me of a story. I don't know how many of you know the name. This is Fritz Haber. Anybody know this name? Fritz Haber. Fritz Haber was a prolific uh, German. He, in the early 1900s, he solved a problem. And the problem in Germany was, how are we going to feed all these people? The population was growing. And this man is the father of fertilizer. He figured out how to pull nitrogen out of the atmosphere. Bill Gates says that this man really, every five people on the planet, for every five, two people owe their existence to the father of fertilizer, Fritz Haber. Amazing, right? Early 1900s. But then you move forward with Fritz Haber, and then he used, he invented a chemical gas that would kill thousands of soldiers in World War I. And from that invention, which was used to kill thousands of soldiers in World War I, they invented a new chemical gas, and some of you may have heard this before, Zyklon B, which was used to exterminate the Jews. And here this guy, Haber, ironically, he was a Jew. And here he was, the father of fertilizer. Again, something so good and so wonderful. And look where he went down the path. His ingenuity, how bright he was. But then he created something else that destroyed lives. I think that's what the Apostle Paul is talking about today, y'all. That's good preaching. It's a good story. I'm sorry, it is. I knew it. I'm like, this story is perfect for this sermon. How crazy is it? We need to be so careful, not living as the unwise, but living as the wise. And you know what? I praise God for technology. It makes our lives insignificantly efficient. We are more productively distracted than any people that have ever walked the face of the earth. Let's give ourselves a hand. I'm being facetious. Don't clap for that. Just making sure you're awake. We are. We're the most distracted people. And I said to you, Pinterest, Instagram, YouTube, uh, Snapchat, Facebook. Ready? Here's my term. Weapons of mass distraction. It's my term. That's what they are. Weapons of mass. I'm copywriting that. I'm trademarking. That's mine. Don't steal it. That's what they are. Not bad, but they distract us. Do you know one of the enemy's big jobs, big plans, his purpose is to, he doesn't get us at gunpoint. That's not how he tries to take us out. He tries to take us out with distraction. And he is insidious, friends. He is sneaky. He is stealthy. And he doesn't want us to know. And he wants to distract us. And the word that we're going to come to in a little bit, and I'm throwing it out now even though I shouldn't, we're a people that are choking to death because of the tsunami of information that we can access on a daily basis. We're choking. We're choking. And if we're not vigilant, we're going to have trouble. We're going to have problems. We have a wealth of information, but we have a poverty of attention in our world. Poverty of attention. Did you know that the attention span of the average American has dropped 10 seconds over the course of the last 20 years? 
intellect's pretty high, and I'm not giving you all, going all the way back, but trust me, it's, it's, it's a lot. A wealth of information, but a poverty of attention. Can I give y'all a little quiz now, too? Can I give us a little assessment? In all my reading, I just put some stuff together. I said, you know, this would be a good question. This would be a good question. Now, I want you to answer this. I don't want you to elbow your spouse. I don't want you looking at somebody across the room like, yo, that's you. That's you. That's absolutely you. How about we just look at ourselves? Can we take a mirror up and look at our, our own lives instead of looking at somebody else? Sure. And some of you are like, I don't know yet. I need to see the questions. When I see the questions, then I can let you know. All right, number one, you sleep with yourself on your nightstand. It should say, you, you, I guess, whatever. On your nightstand or in your bed, right? None of you do that, right? No, no, none of you do it. Okay. Your friends or your spouse complain about how much screen time you are spending. <laughs> it's quiet. It's really quiet which means a lot of us can relate already to two questions. Hey, listen, I got, what do you think it's like? As if I have to preach this stuff, man, and I live in the house, and then when I leave here today, I get hit with everybody that knows me, right? They're going to look at me now at my phone. It's worse for me than it is for you. Man, you check your phone first thing in the morning and last thing at night. Hmm, okay. You feel bummed. When you forget to bring your cell phone into the bathroom. <laughs> I do. Come on. I'll admit it. Preacher man will admit it. Right here. I got mad this morning, right? I want to go over my sermon, right? You're like, TMI. All right, next. You have practiced the art of secretly texting while maintaining eye contact. You know what's wild? Some of you do it when I'm preaching, and I see you. I should start calling people out like I do at school. Put your cell phone away in the back. Hey, put your cell phone away in the back, or I'm going to take it. <laughs> How many of you are good at that? You at least admit that. No, none of you are. All right. Did you know the engagement with social media and our phones releases a chemical called dopamine? How many of you knew that? Yeah. Dopamine. All right, it's giving, giving us a little science now. That's why when you get a text, do you ever get that text that you like, you just rip your phone out and you're like, it just feels, it feels so good. You got a text, you don't care who it's from. It could be from the Unabomber. You got a text, you got a text on your phone, you get excited. That's a dopamine hit. You just got hit. How many of us know when we're down and depressed? I have done this, okay? I am down and depressed. I have picked up my phone, and I'll text a couple of people. Hi, 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 hi. Because I want a dopamine hit. I need to get hit by somebody. None of you have ever, okay. None of you have ever done that. I'm the only human in here that felt down and depressed and texted somebody and wanted a response back because I needed a dopamine hit. Yeah, I'm the only one. Yeah, I figured that would be the case. You're lying again. Well... It's interesting, dopamine is the same chemical that people feel when they smoke, when they drink, and when they gamble. In other words, it's highly addictive, highly addictive. And we know what one social scientist said, I can't take credit for this, it was so good. We have voting regulations, not voting regulations, we have age regulations on when we can drink, when we can smoke, and when we can gamble, 
But when it comes to this, you have unfettered access to dopamine hits anytime you want. And this is akin to us going inside of our homes and telling our young people and our teenagers and our millennials, and you know what we're saying to them? Hey, if you don't like this adolescence thing, if you don't like how society, how things are going for you in your world, it's akin to opening up the liquor cabinet and saying, have at it, take as much as you want. That's what we're doing and it's having a deleterious effect. It is impacting us. And why do you think, listen, studies prove that we are more depressed when we spend time on Facebook. We're more depressed on social media. It doesn't make us feel better. We are more depressed. Science is proving that everywhere you look, study after study after study. And what's interesting too is, since we are raising a generation of people that live on tablets and live on iPhones, guess what? All of the research is saying, and I shared this in the beginning of my sermon last week, that young people don't know how to have meaningful conversations anymore. And when they get stressed out in life, trust me, I'm a teacher too, I live in this world. They are turning to a device. They're turning to social media instead of turning to a human being. Why do you think the suicide rate's going up? It's not going down. It's going up. This is a major problem. Technology is not bad in and of itself. It's how we use it and how we're uneducated and how we're not being astute and we're not being people that are, I don't know, just aware, self-aware. And what we're doing with our kids. Is it any wonder 660,000 Americans are using their phones while driving during peak traffic hours? Surveys show that 67% of us use our phones at the dinner table. 67%. Did you know, on average, 81,500 minutes, the average American, that's how much time they, we will spend Looking at our phone, pulling it out. We grab our phones every one point four, every one, uh, once every 4.3 seconds, sorry. Every 4.3 seconds, we grab our phones on average. And we're suffering from phantom vibration syndrome. Phantom vibration. I think I got a text. There's no text. Put it away. You put it away. I think I got a text. I didn't get a text. How many of us, you, you suffer from that, right? I think, I think I gotta, you know what's crazy too? Are you like me sometimes? Like you just want to pull, I, I think I got an email. I think I got something. You post something. I want to see how many likes there are. None of you ever do that. You see how many likes you got. You don't really care. Um, but we think that there are so many important things. How many of you have been tempted to pull out your phone while you're in the middle of a conversation with someone because you know you got a text message? I know I got a fantasy football trade offer and my phone's burning in my pocket and I want to pull it out and check out what that trade offer is, but I'm talking to someone and I want to hit the phone. Whatever it is, how many, come on, how many of us would you admit that? You've wanted to do that. It's a problem. It's a problem. And how about this? 90% of us stare at our phones while we're walking. You know what it's like for me tomorrow morning as a teacher? Other, I don't know if uh, we got some other teachers in here. This is what it's like as soon as I walk through the doors, right? I walk through the doors. There is traffic. I'm like this. Because I have kids. They're like this, zombies. I have zombies everywhere. And if I'm not careful, my lying principle, everywhere you look, kids are on phones. Yo, there's other humans. Hey, there's other humans. 
You know what they did? And this is not an American phenomenon. Guess what? This is a global phenomenon. I read this. How about a city in China? They have made in this city, there is a traffic lane for people that are walking. It is a lane that you are not allowed to look at your cell phone so people don't have to worry about other people that are distracted on their phone. So if you go in this lane, you can't look at your cell phone. We have a problem, Houston. As a world, not as Americans. As a world. One study found the average eight-year-old spends seven hours a day in front of a screen. Last I checked, I don't think God's looking for kids that are eight years old to spend seven hours a day in front of screens. Crazy. The average young adult gets 167 messages, texts, Every single day. In another study on how Americans use their time, researchers learned the average American adult tends to watch TV and surf the internet four times longer than socializing and communicating and 20 times longer than spiritual and religious activities. We'd rather spend time clicking through someone else's life than actually living our own. I want to watch videos on cats and Baghdad because that's much more interesting than my boring life. Did you know every, I told my parents this morning, did you know every five minutes a book is published on Amazon? Did you know every second 6,000 tweets are tweeted out to the world? Every second. There is a tsunami of information, and we as a people are drowning in all of it because we think we can handle all of it. We think we can, but I'm sorry, friends. We can't. We're proving that study after study. How about this? This is good, and these are two of the books, and I put the books up here. Get this quote. Dr. Vic, this is for you, right? You want a good quote? We are drawn to technologies that provide the illusion of companionship without the demands of relationship. One of the biggest problems in American society, and if you're not going to changes that heal, and you're not going to boundary classes, you're going to have issues. And this is part of our problem, right? And I'm worried about our kids, because this is the world. They don't understand this real friendship. It's everything is in front of a screen. It's not good. She talks about, I mean, these books are amazing. Alone Together, she wrote in 2011. I mean, it's, it, it, it's gotten a lot of acclaim, a lot of notoriety. I highly recommend it for parents. I know some of y'all are like, I'm, I don't read. I don't read anything, which I don't get anyway, right? Because we, again, we sit online and read stuff that's just stultifying, inane, just silly. We shouldn't, but we should be looking at stuff like this because it'll help us as parents. It'll help us as Christians in navigating how to live in this world. I love that. And I love that, you know, before even there was Facebook, look what the psalmist says. I like this too as it relates to relationships. I love this. I lie awake. I have become like a bird alone on a roof. What do I mean? Why did I put this one up? Because you know what? Even before Facebook, look at the psalmist is saying. Look at us. We live in a world where we have a wealth of all this information here and we can connect with all these different people. But yet at the end of the day, we're stuck in front of a screen and we're alone really with our thoughts and we're so disconnected. We're disconnected with ourselves and we're disconnected with other people. Did you hear that? We are so disconnected. That's why you see such a proliferation of emotional issues among all of us. It's only going to get worse as we move closer to the end. 
You don't want to hear that, but it's true. That's why there are more and more problems. And we need to be vigilant as a church. The devil is trying to destroy us by distraction. How do we parent in a world of distractions? How do we focus and pray and serve God in a world of distractions? We are pulled apart all over the place. I want to have a do not disturb sign on my kids. Trying to get stuff done as a preacher. Trying to put sermons together. Trying to be a good husband. Trying to be a good teacher at school. Trying to be a good preacher. Why can't I get some time? I want to put that do not disturb sign on. And I know y'all can relate. Whatever's going on in your world too, you're as distracted as I am. You're as up against it as I am. You know, this is what, this is what, I, this is the crux right here. This is my thesis for this series. Dallas Willard, his, and I, I read these words occasionally because they mean so much. Philosopher from UC Berkeley passed a couple of years ago. For most of us, the great danger is not that we will renounce our faith. It is that we will become so distracted and rushed and preoccupied that we will settle for a mediocre version of it. We will just skim our lives instead of actually living them. And I'm sorry, friends. So many of us are skimming our Christian lives. We don't have time. We have time to sit on Facebook. I'm sick of hearing people say, I'm so stressed. I'm so worried. I don't have time to get into the word. But we have time to sit on social media. Why don't you look at your phone and see how much time you're spending on social media? You have time to sit on Facebook and talk to people about stuff that doesn't matter. When I go before God one day, he's not going to say, you know what? I wish you spent more time on social media. I wish you talked to more people and you liked more things on Instagram and you spent more time looking at videos on YouTube. No, I want to be a person that actually says, I want to grow as a Christian and I want to come to know Christ more in this life. We only get to do it once, friends. You only get to do it once. You don't get a second shot at it. It's my job. Why am I? I'm hitting another hard topic. Because as a pastor, I'm responsible. I'm responsible as a preacher for what is preached. And I'm going to be, right? The Bible talks about it. talks about it a lot. I'm going to be held responsible. And this is the crux. And I want to end with, this is the word. And I changed my sermon at the end of the week because this is the word God kept saying to me in my spirit. No, no, this is the word. Stop trying to deviate. Stop trying to move away. This is the word you need to focus on. And here's the parable. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time in it. I don't have a lot of time left here today. This is kind of just the intro. And this is in Matthew 13. Look, this is Jesus speaking. And he spoke many things to them in parables saying, behold, and many of you have heard this, behold, the sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured them. Some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth, and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. But others fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Can I just give us a little background? Because you've heard this parable probably a thousand times. Did you know this is, a, this is a, a defining moment in the ministry of Jesus Christ when he was walking the face of the earth? Because before this, he was in the synagogues and he was preaching. But now he is being publicly uh, ridiculed. And the teachers of the law, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they are mocking him. They're criticizing him publicly in the synagogue. Jewish orthodoxy is against him. So Jesus says, you know what? I'm going to change my classroom. So in Matthew 13, he moves out from the synagogue and he moves out into nature. 
And the picture I think we have when we hear this parable, this teaching is, we think of the little farmer, right? You think of a little farm, maybe there is lush vegetation, and you got the guy with the hat, or a woman, whatever you want, and they have their little shovel, and they take a little scoop of dirt, and they put some seeds down, right? That's what we think of when we hear this parable. And then maybe you're like Pastor Joe, and you put two gallons of miracle Grow on it. You make sure you get a lot of water on it. You make sure it gets sunlight, right? No, that's not what this parable is saying. First of all, when Jesus is saying these words in a Middle Eastern culture 2,000 years ago in Palestine, when a farmer would go out, they would take the seed and throw it into the wind indiscriminately. So it would blow it in the wind, and wherever it went, it went. And they had small, narrow strips of land, and they would plant in one strip, and next to the piece of land, the narrow strip, where actually the crops were going to grow you would have, it was a right of way and people could walk on it. So when Jesus is saying these words, it would be as hard as cement. That's why when some of the seed fell beside there, right? When it fell on the road, it was literally like cement because so many people, there was so much traffic on both sides that it might as well have been on cement because you were wasting it. That's what Jesus is saying when he's preaching this, okay? Now, later on, it's an after-class tutorial session. And the disciples want to know, Jesus, what did you mean by this parable? And I want to just hit one verse. You with me? I just want to hit one verse from this. You jump down, 18, then listen, then to what the parable of the sower means. Now he who receives seed among the thorns is he who hears the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becomes unfruitful. And I underlined that word, and I bolded that word, because this is the word God hit me with. We are being choked. And I think in a lot of ways, honestly, I think this is a prophetic message, not just for us, but I think it's for the church. We as a people are being choked. I've never said that before as a preacher in all my years. I've never said those words, but I feel that way this week. I feel this is prophetic. This is what is happening. And if we continue to get choked, it's being choked out by distraction, We will be a people that die. And I'm telling you, in the last days, there's going to be a great falling away, right? This, I think, is part of it. That it's, it's, again, it's sneaky, it's insidious. We don't really see it. You don't wake up and see the devil right there. But the enemy is all around us. And he's just using things. He can't create anything in and of itself. All he can take again, Tolkien, is twist what God has already created. And he's taking things that are good. But we as a people, and we've lived at the tree of the knowledge of good and evil ever since man fell in the Garden of Eden. And we're constantly trying and continuing and trying to better ourselves and more knowledge and more knowledge and more knowledge. And where is it taking us? This is like the twilight zone where eventually we've taken technology, right? And we want to use technology, but now what is happening is technology is using us. We think we're unlocking these devices, right, to access the digital world. No, the digital world is accessing us. And it's happening on a daily basis. Right before our eyes, this is happening. And we are choking, choking, choking. And I think you know what the choking position looks like. It's our hands hovering over a keyboard. Our thumbs are like stretched like little gargoyles. Right? Aren't they like this? And our our head is at 45 degrees. And we sit there like zombies. And we stare at screens for hours 
and hours and hours, and we're looking at information that has nothing to do with anything. Can I, can I just, this is what I found when I was looking online, the information that is choking us. Some of it is so ridiculous and it's so over the top. So here's what your pastor was looking at. Here are a few examples that I pulled randomly, real articles that I found online. Which 90s cartoon dog are you? That's Because that's really important. That's going to help us. If you know what 90s cartoon dog you are, it's going to help you as a father. It's going to help you as a mother. Yeah, yeah. How about this one? She thought she was just playing Super Mario, but instead he was proposing to her. Like, really? But why, we see some of this stuff and we choke on it and we consume. Can I be honest with you? We consume mindlessly. It's amazing how mindless we consume as people, not just Christians, but how we're consuming and how we're choking and how we don't even ask why. And the choking is like being on an information treadmill. We think we're going somewhere and more and more information is coming to us. We're spending more and more time on social media. We're on Facebook. We're on all these apps. And guess what? We're not getting anywhere. Half-filled thoughts, blurred impressions. We're not getting anywhere. And we're not doing... How about spending some, some time spiritually, some spiritual activities? We don't do that. We don't have time. We're too busy. I'm asking us here honestly this week that we would really take an inventory of what we're doing with our time. Why don't you just check how many times you pull, you're, you pull your phone out? Take it to, try to check. Check it. Check it this week. I don't want to do that. I'm afraid. Let's get real with ourselves. Let's really get to the bottom of, of, of what's happening, what's going on inside of us. We're assaulted by distractions on a daily basis. And the problem is we're consuming so much information without exercising judgment or connecting to a larger purpose. And we're experiencing all information you know, in the same way. Whether it's, it doesn't matter what it is, we experience everything in the same way. We're not deciphering what's good, what's bad. We just let the tsunami kind of hit us and it just washes over us. And then we wonder why we don't have any real purpose. And what am I really supposed to do? Who am I supposed to be? Because we're just letting everything technologically wash over us. We have to ask ourselves, what is our purpose? How about this? I got this out of a book. I couldn't believe it. You thought the smartphone made it hard to get things done? How about this? We're going to be plugged in soon to virtual reality bodysuits. The technology's here. It'll be on the market in a few years. One book, an author, Reset. Great book, and I'm going to throw it up there in a second. And how about we'll be directly connected to the internet via nanobots in our brain. Virtual, I talked about pornography two weeks ago. Virtual pornography is coming to our world. Pastor Linda had an article. You sent me that article. It's coming. It's not maybe it's going to come. It's coming down the road and we need to be aware of it as parents and as Christians and we better be prayerful because if we're not praying and coming up against this and developing practical strategies as parents in our homes, then your kids are going to get washed away in the tsunami. It's not going to happen to me. I'm good. My kids are good. They're such good kids. Kids' brains, I told you, are getting rewired by pornography at the age of 10 years old. Did you hear that two weeks ago? Maybe that I wasn't serious enough. Maybe I didn't say it strong enough, but that's happening. Good against evil. The weeds are coming up. Listen, 
Listen, the devil is doing everything he can in these last days and these last hours to take out as many people as he can. Lawlessness is going to abound. It's abounding right now. People that are so overwhelmed and stressed out. And the devil, when you look at this too, I'm sorry, I'm I'm going off a little bit, but when you look at this too, you look at what the enemy is doing, the cares of this world, the enemy is hitting us with things that might happen to us. Not that things that are happening, this might happen to you. Oh, that's going to happen to you. Watch out. This could happen to you. He wants to hit us with fear. We sang about fear this morning. He's hitting us left and right. He wants to take us out. We were created in the image of Almighty God, and he hates us because he sees God every time he sees us. And he's getting smarter. Billions and billions of people have walked the face of the earth. Do you think, well, he looks at us, and he's so, no. He's just figuring out tactics and how can I use? Go ahead, keep creating, keep creating, keep going. I'm just going to use what you've created and I'm going to pull you away from God. It's not that you commit all these grievous sins. It's I'll distract you. I'm going to distract you all to death. Supposed to be quiet today. I didn't expect any. It's like the twilight zone. It really is. I I was asking my mom this morning, I'm like, there's got to be an episode where somebody gets something because this is what I feel like. Where's, where's my phone again? Right here. I can't live without my phone. <laughs> and, you know, it's like, it's like we get something that, like, you know, in the picture, like they, or Black Mirror, maybe you've seen a couple of the episodes you shouldn't watch, but some of them are good, right? And it's like we get something that's so wonderful. Oh, my gosh. This is going to change our lives forever for the good of humanity forever. And then by the end, it just totally takes us over. Do you realize that's what's happening? This, you're living through a Twilight Zone episode. That's what we're living through. And the enemy's just using all this stuff against us, turning it against us. I'll stop, man. I, I, I really need to. But it's not that you need more time. Let's stop making excuses. We need to pursue a purpose and dedicate ourselves to it. We need to start asking ourselves the right questions. Music team, you can start to come up. And here are the resources as we start to close. These are some of the books. I read a book. This is where the series Idea. I didn't preach from any book. This is just me preaching, putting this together. But uh, the first book, Tony Ranke, 12 Ways Your Phone is Changing You. He is a Christian. He is from Desiring God. Again, I'll have this. You'll be able to access this if you want to. You're crazy as a parent if you don't. Uh, second one, the two books there from Sherry Turkle. She's an MIT researcher, really smart, very readable though, relatable, reclaiming conversation and alone together. Andy Crouch, another Christian. I took the title, the, the TechWise family. We're going to have some practical solutions here in the series too. Like we did last week, we're talking about confrontation. And we need to be a people that are practical in what we do. It's not me just getting up here saying, this is the problem. What are some solutions? What are some things that we can actually do in our lives that, that will help? So I can't get into everything in one week. All right, and then number four, Reset. I love this book, Reset. I thought it was fabulous. Uh, you can check that out. And here are some of the TED Talks, Wisely Navigating Smartphone Use, Why Our Screens Make Us Less Happy. That was a wonderful one. We Are All Cyborgs Now. That was good too. And then Connected But Alone. These are just some of them. There are more, but these were the ones that I thought would be the most. And guess what? These TED Talks, they're 15 minutes. They're 15 minutes long. They're not long. That top podcast is from the author of that book, 12 Ways Our Smartphone is Changing Us. 
So if you want to hear more of, and you know what I'm going to get into too in the series? I'm going to talk a little bit about some of the, the technologies in science, the bioengineering, uh, g- genetic engineering, and cloning. And so you've got to look at some of the technology and how really the enemy is using it. I have to delve into some of that stuff. That's part of this. So I hope that you're enjoy- you enjoyed the first part of the series. We're going to get deeper into this and uh, really discuss it in more detail. And in closing, I promise this is closing. I thought about it. I was just writing down. I said, what would be questions that we could reflect on? And how about during a difficult, I mean, a typical day, when and where, what, what are you most likely to choke on? What are you choking on in terms of all the information? And where are you spending your time? How much time can we be people that do a self-assessment and ask ourselves the questions? I put that self-assessment up there too, and you should look at that and just look at this PowerPoint. That alone too. Look at that self-assessment because if you answered yes to a lot of those questions, you're addicted to your smartphone. You're addicted to it. I'm trying to be a person, too, that I, on the weekends, too, I try to put it away from me for a while. It's hard, right? It, it's, like a, it's like a magnet, and it like tries to get sucked right back in your pocket, and you're like, I don't want it on me, and you put it back, and somehow later on, you have it again. How many of you can relate to that? Church, this, is, this could not be any more relevant of a topic for us. And if Jesus was here today, the techie, the tecton, Jesus would have been talking about this topic. And I'm sorry, churches don't, address, churches don't address this. This is a topic that is not addressed. It will be addressed in here on a, on a pretty regular basis because it's where we live. And I gave you the Bible. Lord, I thank you. I thank you for your word, first of all, Lord. I thank you for those words that ring in my head even now. And I hope they resonate with your people that we would not live as the unwise, but we would live as wise people. We would understand, Lord, the hour in which we live. Lord, that we would make the most of the time that we have, that we would have real purpose and we'd live with real passion and we'd realize how we're being so distracted and we'd realize how all this information that's out there is trying to overwhelm us and take us over and in a lot of ways control us. Lord, help us to see clearly. Lord, help us to to get back to do those things that that bring us closer to you. Amen. That's what I want. That's my heart's cry from a series like this, friends. Really, you can stand up from a series like this, that we would really be a people that would say, you know what, I realize I do have a lot more time than I thought, and I do want to be someone that actually gets into the Word a little bit more. Wow, I do have a little more time for prayer. I can listen to something in the car on my way. I I can take this with me. Oh, wow, I have the Bible app. I can do this. Let's stop making excuses. Stop making, don't tell them, I don't want to hear your excuses. I'm done. I don't want to hear your excuses. You can make the time. I have two full-time jobs. You can make the time. Some of you have two full-time. You can do it. If I can do it and put sermons together, you can do it and spend some time in your own life. Love being a preacher that's bivocational because you can't look at me and say, it's easy for you that you're stuck in a closet and you're stuck in your house all day. No, I'm stuck in a classroom and I'm talking to kids and I'm thinking about two what I have to preach. I'm living in two different worlds too. I get it. I know what the stress is like. I have lesson plans I have to make when I get home too. I have things I have to do. And listen, we got to get into multitasking too in this series. Do you know how bad multitasking is? Did you know multitasking when we do it? And I'm awful at this. I'm number one culprit. Our brains leak biologically. They're telling us now our brains leak when we are so scattered and we're involved in so many different things. It's death by distraction. 
We need to be, have a singular focus at any given time. Whatever we're doing, friends. What song are we singing? I'm not, you are not alone as you leave this place today. Did you hear what I just said? You are not alone. And if you feel that way, you know, when you're on social media and you're on Facebook, you probably still feel alone because you're not really connected to people. That's okay. Guess what? We can help you get connected to yourself, to your God, and to other people in this room. That can happen in your life. You start singing, Steve. Just go. You go. Thanks for listening to City on a Hill's podcast. For more resources, visit us at chccny.com.